Happy two for Tuesday, folks. How's everybody doing? Yeah, if you're a Met fan these days, it's not going too well. We highly anticipated this 13-game stretch against the NOS. We said, well, I said, we win seven games, we're in good shape the rest of the way. Because then we're playing the Marlins and the Nationals for the next two weeks. Well, sometimes things don't go as you plan, do they? Not working out the way we had hoped. Losing three at home to the Dodgers really stung. Then flying all night to the left coast to play the San Francisco Giants last night was not anything to write home about. It did not make things better. And right now the Mets are in a bind. Who knew? Last month we're in first place. We're rocking and rolling. We're talking playoffs. Are we going to play the Brewers in the first round? Well, things happen in baseball, and baseball, to quote my good friend Joe Garagiola, is indeed a funny game. The glory days of June, we moved 10 games to 500, and dreams we had dreams of turning the NL East into a runaway. We didn't think any other teams in our division were good. Now, in the dog days of August, the Mets are back to even, and you even have to wonder if they'll see the plus side of 500 again. They had a misery continued Monday night when the Giants blasted three homers, including two by shiny new toy Chris Bryant, in sending the Mets to a 7-5 loss at Oracle Park. The loss was the Mets' fourth straight in 11 and 15 games. Yes, it has been painful. And now we're three and a half games behind the Bravos. In the beginning of the year, if you recall, I predicted we'd win the NL East. But my predictions are always wrong. But somehow I think this prediction may be right. Back to last night's game, Brandon Bell and Brian Holman as part of a three-run seventh inning against Trevor May, crystallizing the Mets' latest setback. The Mets, 59-59 and and nearly one-third of the way through a hellacious 13-game stretch against the Dodgers and Giants, and we're still looking for a victory. Uh, they don't even have to think about 500 now. They just have to think about winning ball games at this point. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, Mets pecked away. John's Vlar. Uh, what are you going to do? Jonathan Harper almost brought it back in the game with a two-run home and eight, but it wasn't enough to do the previous innings damage, which also included Brandon Crawford's RBI triple. Mets are in these games, but good teams could always be in the games and win. Bad teams find a way to lose, and right now the Mets are a bad ball club. Now you wonder, should we have gone for Chris Bryant instead of Javi Baez? This Javi Baez trade may end up being one of the all-time busts, but... Still early in the ball game. No need to jump to conclusions. Uh, but things aren't looking good. <laughs> Not looking good. You know, we, we hear the same old, same old from Willie Rojas. The guys swung the bat better than they have the last four days. We need to carry the over offense, all the cliches. But cliches don't win ball games. Now, James McCann's bunt single in the sixth gave the Mets runners on first and second with nobody out. But the Giants' bullpen won the battle. After Jay Jackson retired, pinch hitter Travis Blankenhorn, lefty Jose Alvarez entered and got Nimmo to pop out before Conforto was caught looking at strike three to end the inning. Same old, same old with Conforto. And I have a feeling these are his last two months as a Met. 
Now, Rich Hill pitched for the Mets in game three strong innings before fading in the fourth when he was removed after allowing two earned runs on four hits. It marked the first time the lefty failed to complete five innings since arriving to the Mets' trade deadline. My how has pitching changed? We're now happy when a starter reaches five innings. Uh, Buster Posey doubled one on the fourth to begin Hill's downfall. Darren Ruff followed with an RBI single, but was erased from the base pads on a replay challenge that showed his foot off, his foot off the bag as Alonzo applied the tag at first after receiving the relay throw. Giants began another rally with conse- consecutive singles from Yvonne Longoria, Crawford, and Wilmer Flores, the last of which brought in the second run. Castro entered with runners on the corners and retired pincher Tommy Lestella to keep the Mets' deficit 2-0. And once again, the Mets didn't ex- execute the pitches when they had, and they had missed opportunities on the Bates pads. Same old, same old, wash, rinse, repeat. Now let's be honest, I don't think the Rich Hill we've been seeing hasn't been the deadline trade that the Mets had hoped it would be. Uh, and the more they put him out there, it really isn't appearing that way. Uh like I said, he did allow just one run in three scoreless innings and was knocked around the second time through the San Francisco order. So he's one of these guys when they get to the second time in the batting order, he just doesn't have it anymore. And uh, what are you going to do? Now, Hill, who we got from Tampa Bay to short rotation, has dealt with so many injuries, but has helped to short the rotation to had so many injuries, but it's not what we had hoped. Uh, his big curveball has basically disappeared since the crackdown on sticky stuff. I'm not making assumptions, but he didn't try a curve in a fist first inning, then mixed more in with the giant swing at 11 uh, of their offerings without whiffing once. And the 41-year-old start began with much promise. Just he sailed through the first, he went 1-2-3. The second time he saw the Giants and Giants batting order, though, he didn't last for a third. Giants pounded hit after hit in the fourth inning that began with the Posey double. Uh, Ruff, Longoria, Crawford, Flores, lining singles, and the Mets were in a 2-0 hole. And uh, none of these hits were bloops. And only swung in two, at two of the 68 pitches the Giants swung and missed that. So he just didn't have it. He wasn't fooling the Giants at all. But, you know, maybe he's just in a slump, but he has not been the answer. Uh, he's not giving them any depth. Uh, and the Mets, with it, Jacob DeGrom down perhaps for a season. They keep saying the news is encouraging, but how encouraging if you come back in mid-September. Uh, Syndergaard, who could return as a reliever, and Peterson's probably out for the season. The Mets really don't have many options at the back of the rotation. So Hill's just going to have to be being force-fed out there. I'll show you how the mighty have fallen. The rotation, which finished the first half with a 2.98 ERA, the second best in baseball, and that kept them afloat. And after the All-Star break, that mark has bloomed to 5.45 with this four-game losing streak against two of the best teams in baseball, especially not treating the Mets starter as well. After Hill was pulled, former Cubs star Chris Bryant launched a pair of home runs, one off Miguel Castro, another off Trevor May. Giants' major July trade acquisition was significantly more impactful Monday than the Mets. Now, if you were watching that game yesterday, how about that fan who ran on the field yesterday? (laughs) 
Mets may want to consider him. He wanted to take the bump yesterday when the Giants were on the field. Uh, it was one of the weird things because if you were watching the broadcast, they were actually showing some of what the shenanigans that were going on. And this fan wearing a Padre jersey rushed down to the Oracle Park field during the ninth inning of the Mets 7-5 loss at Giants on Monday, circling the field, and security was just letting him do his own thing until he wore himself out. Uh, he was able to make it from left field to the foul territory, find first base without getting chased, and uh, he doubled back and ran back to the mound where he mimicked delivery before security finally took him down. And uh, that's kind of indicative of how the Mets' night went, you know. It was just one big running around in circles and being taken down late in the game. You hate to make that analogy, but sometimes you just have to. Uh, the good thing is Kevin Pillar got to return home. I was digging deep on Kevin Pillar. He was well-liked in San Francisco. He was a good ball player for them out there. And uh, I bet he probably right now wishes he was still with the uh, Giants. He was a fan favorite. Uh, but he was non-tendered by the Giants. Uh, and he was a fan favorite just due to the fact that he wasn't really a superstar. But he was one of those guys on the team you just tell, gives a lot of effort and really cares does whatever it takes to try and win a game every single day. And people relate to that. So Pilar was a welcome sight yesterday at the ballpark. Now, Pilar spent the first six seasons of his career with Toronto, where he earned the Superman nickname for his diving plays and willingness to give up his body for any ball. And upon being dealt to the Giants in 2019, he fought back tears as he said goodbye to Blue Jay fans. So Pilar wears his heart on the sleeve. He played 156 games with the Giants, and the fast fan base changing The admiration was remaining, even when he was a Giant as opposed to a Blue Jay. Now, you got to love Pilar's style of play. Sometimes you got to say, why does he do some of the things he does? He runs into walls, and occasionally a ball is run into him. And he's easy to respect. And Met fans got a taste of that grit on May 17th when he was drilled in the face by a 94-mile-an-hour pitch that left his face pouring blood. A day later, he was back in the clubhouse and pledging that he would be playing if he could see out of his right eye. If the surgery repaired multiple nose fractures, he was back two weeks later. I think a lot of people could see themselves in Pilar. Uh, and that's how why he is such a fan favorite. Because he's taking advantage of the opportunity. He doesn't have the ability as other people. And even this year, he's no longer playing every day. And he just has a 606 OPS entering play. And that's kind of reduced him to platooning against lefties. Uh... But when he's out there, you got to love watching him. You have to love watching him. Uh, keep on going, Kevin Pillar. You've been one of the highlights of the year. And one of the highlights of the year for the Mets has been Jacob DeGrom. Now, the Mets are still hopeful that the improving DeGrom will return this season. Uh, he went to the doctor Monday, left the Mets still hopeful their ace will return this season. But honestly, if they're not in the race in September, why even bother? Just shut him down for the year. Now, after an MRI exam last week in consultation with Dr. Neil Elatrache, indicated the Grom's elbow swelling had subsided, but not enough to resume throwing. The pitcher was examined by David, Dr. David Alchek, and told, according to Manjul Rojas, that the inflammation inflammation was improving. Even so, the Grom shut down and remained into next week, at least according to the manager. Once the Grom begins throwing, he will need to build up. Uh, basically, 
into September before he could potentially rejoin the Mets. He's still in that two-week period. Uh, and, you know, if it, two weeks goes by and he's okay, then I guess he would be back in there. But the question is, is it a little bit too late? Now, Thomas Nito, unfortunately, was placed in an IL with a sprained left thumb, an injury he had been dealing with in recent days, according to Scott. Guess who they recalled? Patrick Mazika from Triple A Syracuse to fill the need at catcher. Trevor Williams was also recalled from Syracuse to provide the team with additional bullpen depth following Carlos Carrasco's abbreviated start Sunday. As Carrasco imploded the last few times out, and Jeff Hartlieb was optioned. Now, Noah Syndergaard is expected to face batters in live batting practice perhaps twice on this road trip, according to Scott. If that goes well, the right-hander could start a minor league rehab assignment shortly thereafter. Scott has indicated that Syndergaard, who was rehabbing from March 2020 Tommy John surgery, could join the Mets bullpen in early September. Now, Rojas said he spoke to his father, Felipe, on a Zoom call before the Mets departed for the West Coast. Uh, Alou, who lives in the Dominican Republic, still serves as senior advisor for the Giants. Rojas said he and his dad talk baseball, but avoid discussing the inner workings of their specific teams, which is probably good. Sometimes you just have to step away and not talk about it. Like I said, the Mets are in a stretch of 13 games against the Dodgers and Giants. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, they are the first team to play 13 straight games against teams with at least a 600 winning percentage, at least 100 games in this season since the Blue Jays in 1980. And the Blue Jays went 4-9 in that stretch. So, is history repeating itself? It very may well be. Now the time is ticking on Michael Conforto, isn't it? Uh, what is going to go on with Michael Conforto? He really has to step up to play. He almost has to be the one to carry that team from, I think, before he can go ahead and uh, seriously consider asking for big bucks from the Mets. The pressure is on him now. I mean, there's no going back. There's 45 games left, and he needs he needs to really be the leader of this ball club. Uh, you know Scott Boris likes to hold out, and I don't think the Mets are going to cave into Scott Boris when it comes to Michael Conforto. They may just let him go. Uh, believe me, a hitter who's batting 200, barely over 200, is not that irreplaceable. Okay, now it's time for our Mets Trivia and Jeopardy questions today. Who's ready? Can I see a raise of hands, please? Thank you very much. Here is today's trivia question. Ready? What three players did the Mets give up to reacquire Tom Seaver on December 16, 1982? And today's Met Jeopardy question. Two clues. Traded by the New York Mets to Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for Neil Walker on December 9, 2015. He also was the winner of the Sterling Pitcher of the Year Award in 2008. Those are your two clues. First one, traded by the New York Mets to Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for Neil Walker on December 9, 2015. And winner of the Sterling Pitcher of the Year Award in 2008. Okay, now it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays. We're going to say birthday salutations, salutations to two Mets. The first one is going to be Skip Lockwood. He was one of my favorite Mets back when the Mets were really horrible. A great reliever who didn't get the credit he deserved. Uh, he established a Met record at time for games in 1977 with, 19, with 63, which was then broken by Doug Ziss in uh, 1967. But he was solid. 
76, he had 19 saves. 77, 20, 78, 15. And 79, he had 9 saves. And he had a 2.80 ERA in his five season with the Mets. Not bad at all. 379.2 innings pitched and 280 hits given up. In any other ball club, he would have been an ace supreme. Like even in 76, before strikeouts were the norm, uh, he had 108 strikeouts in 94.1 innings. Skip was way better than people give him credit for. I think baseball people know he was good, but he was a really good pitcher on some really bad Mets clubs. Now also celebrating the birthday, Michael O'Connor, pitched for us in 2011, pitched nine games, 6.2 innings. All the games were in relief, and he had 2.70 ERA, and he won number 50. Happy birthday to Michael O'Connor. Okay, now it's time to go for some transactions. On this date, August 17th in Met history, on this date, the Mets traded Tom Wilson to the Los Angeles Dodgers for Tony <coughs> Sakaras. Who remembers that deal? Then on this date, the Mets traded Anderson Hernandez to the Washington Nationals for Luis Ayara. Those are your two transactions for today. Now we're going to go back into our time machine to August 17th, 1973. Now the Mets were still in last place on this day, 53-66, and 66, but they were creeping up. They were just seven games out at this point before making their pennant push of 1973. Now on this night, it would be an NLCS preview with Sparky Anderson, Cincinnati Reds, 75 and 48. We're in town for a weekend series at Shea. 36,803 came to see Don Gullett go up against George Stone. The Mets would lose this game 2 to 1 in the 10th inning as pinch hitter Hal King hit a home run off of Harry Parker. The highlight of this game was how the Mets scored their only run. It came on a home run from Willie Mays, who was the last homer Willie would hit in his Hall of Fame career. It was number 660, and it placed him third on the all-time list. The home run came in the fourth inning off Don Gullett. It was Willie's sixth home run of the season. Willie just got six more starts in the season mm-hmm. for announcing his retirement in September. He was convinced to stay on if the Mets would make the postseason, which they did. The Mets then collected the first, Mays then collected the first hit of the 1973 World Series in his final career start. And that's it. That's how Willie hit his last home run on this day. It was a big win now. Big one. Counted. one nothing. The Mets needed that victory at the time. So congratulations to Willie Mays on number 660 on this day in Met history. Also on this day in Met history in 1982, Cincinnati's Mario Soto fanned 15 Mets in a 9-2 victory to raise his league-leading strikeout total to 209. Soto walked none. Soto was a great pitcher back in those days. He will finish the season with 274 strikeouts, second only to Steve Carlton's 286. The Red Cesar Cedeno steals his 500th base, and he was just the 10th player in history to reach that level. Two great players who, as time has gone by, a little bit flown under the radar, Mario Soto and Cesar Cedeno, but we remember them here. Now, in this state in 2010, the Mets placed closer Francisco Rodriguez on the disqualified list and will not pay him until he is able to pitch again. He suffered a season-ending thumb injury, punching his father-in-law last week, an action for which he faces criminal assault charges. The Mets may still try to avoid the last year of his contract as well, worth $11.5 million, although such a decision would be certain to be contested by the players' union. Also on this date in 1969, the Mets sweep a doubleheader from the Padres for the second consecutive day, beating San Diego 3-2 in both ends of the Shea Stadium twin bill. 
yesterday behind solid starts by Tom Seaver and Jim McAndrew. The Amazons beat the Friars respectively, 2-0, 2-1. So those are certain things that went on on this date in Mets baseball history. Now what we want to do is talk about what's going on in the greatest Mets baseball Facebook group there is, New York Mets Away Life. Okay, a lot is always going on in the group in the New York Mets baseball Away Life. We went and compared to today, for instance, how the first half and the second half in Jekyll and Hyde with the Mets pitching staff. In the ERA, they were second in the first half with 2.98, and the second half of the season now 5.47. That is unacceptable. We also mentioned the Mets have scored no more than two runs in 40 of their 117 games played this season, or 34.2%. The last full season we played, the Mets scored no more than two runs in just 38 of the 162 games in the 2019 season, which asks us to ask, where have the bats gone? Now Aaron Loop, he's now tied for most consecutive games while on a home run to start a Mets career at 46. He tied Carlos Diaz, who did it in 1982 and 83. He also mentioned the Mets postseason odds were sitting around 70% of the All-Star break. According to baseball reference, those odds have now slipped to 5.9%. And before last week, the Mets hadn't lost four games in a row all season. Now they've done it twice in 11 games. And now the most conservative games without allowing a home run to begin the season in Mets history is Jerry's Familia, 55 in 2016. Aaron Loop, who's having a great year, is closing in on that with 46 in 2021. Now, the most considered games without allowing an extra base hit in Met history is Mark Guthrie with 39 in 2002, Pedro Feliciano 38 in 2010-2013, and we got Aaron Loop closing in with 29 in 2021. Hopefully he can do it. would love to see it be one of the highlights of the year. And then we asked... When I say Rick Reed, what is the first thing that pops into your head? A lot of you has had some good responses. A couple of them, Jake Canaric says replacement player. Rob Gadamowitz says Subway Series. And those two replies right there kind of sum it all up. Then we asked, should Rui Rojas return as Met Manager in 2022? 75% of you said no. That's interesting. If Louie doesn't return, will he ever get to manage Brett Beatty, who was on base twice and drove in a run last night for AA Binghamton? He entered the game with a 1.130 OPS in the month of August. He has been on fire. On fire. And then, like I said, every day we got good stuff here. Every day. Uh, so if you're not a member of the group, please join. If you're a Facebook member, it's New York Mets Baseball Wildlife. If you're not a member of this podcast, please do join. You'll be updated every time one is up there. We try to do one a day. And if you haven't able to reach me, I'm at philstan41 at gmail.com. would really, really love to hear from you. And spread the word. Tell your friends about this. The more the merrier. Okay, now it's time for today's Mets Jeopardy and Trivia Question Answers. I want to thank you all guys for always participating in this. Uh, it's one of the highlights of my day in the group. And here's the uh, trivia question once again. What three players did the Mets give up to reacquire Tom Seaver on December 6, 1982? Well, the answers are Charlie Paleo, Lloyd McClendon, and Jason Felice. 
Congrats to Super Mets fan David J. Rubin on being the first to submit the correct answers. Final Jeopardy uh, clues. There were two of them. Traded by the New York Mets to the Pittsburgh Pirates in exchange for Neil Walker on December 9, 2015. And he was the one in the Sterling Pitcher of the Year Award in 2008. The correct response to the Jeopardy question is... Who is John Neese? Our resident Jeopardy expert, Jason Lynch, nailed that one. Congratulations, Jason. Ah, the Kiner's Corner theme song is playing. You know what that means. We're ready to wrap up another podcast. So, again, thanks for listening. But before we do that, we want to remind you, it's another night of staying up late. Yes, we must stay up late to watch our Metropolitans tonight. Uh, They will be playing again at 9.45 against the Giants. Game will be on SNY. Marcus Stroman, 8-11, 2.79 ERA. record is not indicative of his performance this year for sure. He'll be going against Logan Webb, 6-3, 2.96 ERA. Hopefully the Mets can win their first one against these California powerhouses and turn this thing around for us. Winner or lose, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about it. And once again, I want to thank you all for listening. And uh, check back tomorrow and we have more. You guys are the best. Let's go Mets. Never give up the faith. You got to believe.